outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Fumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Inside OU, the podcast that you listen to called Inside OU. It's on Zoom this time. I've got a few things I've got to do uh, today, and I pre-planned for this because I told everybody on uh, Patreon on Tuesday at Through the Keyhole that this was going to happen. I didn't let everybody know on Twitter because you know what? You'll just get this early anyway. But shout out to Vanessa House, uh, Broadway and 8. They take good care of us even when we're not there because you drink their beer, it will linger in, in the nicest way, in the most loving, caring way. Uh, but they've got Destination Wedding coming back. Uh, Keegan's favorite beer, uh, the Cerveza. Awesome, awesome beer coming back this weekend. And of course, Bingo Bango Sango later tonight. So if you're down, if you're down, you should go. And then you could probably, you might see me there. I've got to go do a few things over there later on this evening. And then you can slap me in the face uh, and wake me up because I need it. And so does Keegan. Keegan's been up watching film. That's what he does. He's the film guy. It's been one of those time periods, man. I just got pedaled to the metal like 10 days ago, 11 days ago, and I haven't stopped. And I probably won't until game week. That's my goal. Like, I want to have everything I need to have done by game week. So we hit the game week, and I just have to get a couple things done, and we're good to go. We have the entire, entire kind of perspective aspect on college football taken care of. Get that nice done, and uh, be off to the races, I guess, for the football season, which I guess – ceremoniously kicked off today with Steve Sarkeesian saying winning is hard. Winning is hard. Uh, did you see the other dynamite quote that he said? I have not yet. No. Our good friend, Ryan Chapman who's down there right now doing an awesome job covering the event. Uh, he quoted him. Then he tagged me in it. And I guess you'll understand why. So here is a, uh, a direct quote quote from university of Texas head coach, Steve Sarkeesian. We're in a better position than most. I did see this quote now that you mentioned it because <laughs> I saw it. His fate is secured. Three, four years and out of there. Gone. On to the Gundy next. Gundy doesn't have a mullet anymore. He did Everything. that already before, right? He, he, he cuts his hair in the offseason. It gets hot. Keegan, I got long hair and it's hot. I think Jenny Carlson actually put it pretty perfectly. She said, uh, Obviously, Mike Gundy wanted to waste some time basically today ask for people to ask questions about his hair. Like that's that's like three less hard questions he has to answer. Today. Why do people ask stupid fucking questions and it's not in a scrum? I get stupid fucking questions in a scrum. Oh, Brady, you, Brady, you know this. It's because if they're at the podium, you get to hold the microphone and you're on TV. Oh, yeah, I did that once. I did that back in. I, going into 2017, I did that down at Big 12 Media Day. I wore a pink tie and a Paisley shirt. You did. I, I remember this. <laughs> uh, God, no, it's God been good, though. You, oh, I don't know. I don't, no, no, no. Good, just, thi- good things or bad things? Good things. Uh, good things. Because I guess Kansas made it down to Big 12 Media Day, right? <laughs> or, or, no, no, no. Still in transit. Uh, can't make it. What a shame. God. Yeah. What a, sh- what, what a what a S show it is for uh the University of Kansas and is it Lance Leopold or Leopold? I think that's right. I think Leopold's right. Leopold. Leopold. Kind of, you know, there, there you go. Yeah. 
we yeah. that was that felt like the script spelling me there. You're like asking me to say it back to you. Like, can, can you give me uh, origin on Leopold? No, Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo. Okay, is Buffalo basically the uh, the program that that's where every next head coach comes from? Because for the longest late, time, lately. for the longest time, Turner Gill was going to be the next head coach at Nebraska. And I mean, Nebraska very much stuck in their past, hiring Trev Alberts as their athletic director. And I'm kind of ashamed, Keegan. I said this yesterday on Twitter when I, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was just like, oh, this would be so Nebraska if they hired some other dude from the 90s, like Trev Alberts. And it took me like an hour or two after the story had actually hit that I was like, wait a minute, they actually hired this guy? And I don't know if you know this, Keegan, but he used to be a college football analyst on ESPN, and he was fired uh, because he didn't show up for work one day. And the re- the reason that he gave was he didn't want to play second fiddle to the primary analysts on ESPN that cover college football, like Kirk Herbstreet at the time, Chris Fowler, all those guys. Yeah, so now he's going to be the athletic director of a second fiddle Big Ten school. So, I mean, that that's a match made in heaven. <laughs> I saw it and like I don't didn't know much about him, but the moment I saw that he played at Nebraska in the nineties, I was out. I'm like that you can't you can't keep going that direction. I'll say this. Scott Frost got to feel a lot better today than he did two days ago. Uh Scott Frost is not long for this coaching world, man. You think Osborne had any of anything to do with this AD hire? He had to, right? I mean, our, we talked to Derek Peterson on Through the Keyhole, which, again, everybody, you should go subscribe to it right now. Uh, Keegan put out some awesome informations uh, for the $5 tier. $4 a month gets you the extra podcast, plus basically everything else that we put on there that isn't film review or Keegan's $5 posts. Uh, if you do use or if you do subscribe for $5, you get absolutely everything on the page. Uh, so, you know, it's just what, what costs $4, Keegan? Like a cup of coffee? Not at Starbucks, is that's like that's like a twelve dollar cup of coffee. That's so it, I mean, it's a dollar short at Starbucks. You can go to Dunkin' and get something for four bucks. Yeah, it's a Dunkin' Donut cup of coffee. You know, just a month if you want to get extra OU content that's well thought out that we put a lot of effort and time and love into. Uh, you can help us out there at through the keyhole Patreon. But Keegan put out some stuff. But mainly, we talked to Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity uh, for our uh, off season opponent by opponent, not named West Carol- Western Carolina or Kansas um, kind of series that we're doing. And we brought up Tom Osborne and he was just like, hey, he kind of downplayed Tom Osborne's influence in the or just the voice in the room. But I mean, God, with how stuck up the ass they are of like this, the 90s. I mean, it has to play. He has to play a role. I mean, he has to in the essence of this guy played for him, right? I mean, there's no way they didn't call Tom. And be yeah, like, hey, he played in the. What, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, he played in the early '90s. He won a Butkus Award. He was a really good player. Uh, I can't remember if he had that much of an NFL career. Scott Frost was a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, he was a transfer. He hit the transfer portal before the portal was uh, popular. He, oh yeah. He was a safety at Stanford. Did you know that? Did you know how I knew that he was a transfer? How? Because because he talks shit on. Christian McCaffrey's brother. Oh yeah, and then Christian McCaffrey. Uh, His dad got involved. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean receipts. Don't man. they need help with recruiting? Allegedly. 
Nebraska, <laughs> they need help with about just about everything to do with football. I, how, you, know, you, think, you would think with Big Ten, they would have the media days first since they want to be so important, right? No kidding. Is the Big 12 the first conference? Yeah, this because is the I mean, if the Pac-12 has a media day, it's it's kind of like the whole, like, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, does it actually make a sound? Because if the Pac-12 had their media day, I would have not have known. So I guess the Big 12 is the first one at bat here. So good for the Big 12. But well, where do you want to start, Keegan? Lincoln Riley talked yesterday, and he had the cool thing about, and it's good to be in our second home. So, uh, yes, Lincoln Riley's got a little Barry Switzer in him, and that's awesome. Uh, we could start there. We could start with the embarrassment that was today with what's his name? Greg Burks, the official commissioner guy of the Big 12 saying like, yeah, you can't throw the horns down. There's I mean, there's kids watching. Uh, there, there, there's there's ladies in the audience. You know, we can't be having that type of terrible behavior. And so that's going to be penalized. The horns down like taunting at a player. S- stupid things like you can't have. Like your jersey sleeve has to cover your entire shoulder pad. This conference is so stupid, man. And it just, it reeks of an organization that, oh, I don't know. Like the guys in charge, all they want to do is just keep making the same money that they're making. They want to continue going to play 18 holes at whatever country club that they're playing at in their Teslas and their BMWs. And, and that's it. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to try anything new. They don't want to try to be innovative. They don't want to try anything to potentially grow the conference to help the conference survive because that to them is like, well, then I, I can't go play golf today. If that happens, I might lose my job. I know I'm going to lose my job in four years when the conference dies. Uh, but th- that's, that's, that's a way it's not today. And I, I got golf that I have to play today. So this conference is an embarrassment, Keegan. Poor Greg Burks is the fall guy here, right? I mean, he's just relaying what the conference is telling him to say or what the rules say. D- right? Doesn't he make the rules? He's the official guy. Well, I mean, he doesn't make them. I mean, they just follow him. He just is the guy that's guiding them. Well, okay. Well, who, okay. Who makes the rules then? I mean, I would assume that the whole, like, the fact that horns down is a problem, that has to come from someone higher than Greg Burks, right? Sure. Yeah. And, I tweeted it out like it's so funny to me that Texas donors suits like influence influencers from Texas get mad that their team sucks and then their opponents throw the horns down at them and it hurts their f-ing feelings and they're they call the big 12 suits and go this shouldn't be allowed like th- why why are they allowed to do this that that's not fair that isn't fair oh the, oh, the funny the the best video of this whole thing was still the first day this all went down. You remember, right? When Dana Horgerson looked at the official and he said, what's the difference between this and this? Yeah. He's like, why? He's like, well, why? Could, he's like, could I throw my, my player, throw middle, middle finger to the stands, but can't throw horns down or like, you know, like well, my- this and that. Anyways, anyways, it was a uh, old Dana, but Brady, I, I was going to say this, like, it's just making a, topic and content of something that doesn't need to be a topic you know what i'm saying like that's my biggest it's like this isn't and it has never been an issue like the only reason why it's an issue is because they made it an issue yeah because texas sucks and they've given their opponents a lot of opportunities to throw the damn horns down i mean yeah yeah i mean that's not (laughs) that's it's true i'm just saying in general though it's just like 
I just don't, it just makes them look bad. Like they, like we, again, we said this, what, two weeks ago? I even think it was on the public pod whenever we were like, Bob Bowlesby gained so much street cred in 2020. And watch, he is going to go down to Arlington and he's just going to blow it all up. And it started with, and again, I know from a, this is an OU pod, but even from like a, both of us like at a broad scape perspective on this. Um, why would Bob Bowlesby not even like, I guess, sympathize, I guess would be a word or not. not he, I understand why he wouldn't side with Joe Castiglione and the Nebraska kickoff thing, but like the way that it came out, at least it, the way it was presented to the media and the way they tweeted it. Um, and I've read the quote, it's like, dude, like, oh, use your bell cow. Like, don't get me wrong. Trust me, I'm, I'm well aware everybody's on the same playing field as you, you are the commissioner. But, I mean, it started off the rails from the get-go yesterday, in my yep. opinion. You know? Like, yeah. I, I mean, again, it just – it sounded like somebody saying – like saying like, well, we all signed the same contract. That just sounds like somebody, like I said at the beginning, like that is just wanting to just do the status quo because they're too lazy to try to do anything to truly try to make the situation better. No, I just want to make the same money so I can drive the same car and I can go play golf every day. Like that's what rich people do, right? I want to continue to do that because any other action that doesn't go with that, I feel can put all that stuff in jeopardy. And that, that's just, to me, just, it's embarrassing. And that is the exact opposite of somebody that you would want to be in charge of something. But I don't know if you've been paying attention, King, but the last year uh, in this country, we've we found out there's not a lot of leadership around to go around. There, there are a few out there. Uh, just because you're a manager, just because you're a boss, just because you're I don't know, an elected official doesn't mean you actually are a leader. I think we should, we've, we all should have learned that lesson in the last year. The, uh, this was his exact quote to kick it off. Well, 11 a.m. is an inconvenience for some fans. I kind of want to say this in Bullsby's voice. Too. Some fans prefer night games. When I was at Stanford, I had a survey, and there were those that wanted to play afternoon games exclusively and hated night games. Stanford. One, I want to know. I want to know who this person is. I want to know the people. I want a list of all those people that he talked to that said that. And I, as a fan, and said that, and I want them to be smacked. This is why um, po- this, this is why was- polls are stupid. You ask Stanford people if he if he if he went to like UAB and made that and had that poll. I think he and- worked at Stanford. That's you, what he was saying. But he asked Stanford. Of course, they That's don't a, care. Still, a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. They just want to smoke weed and like do hippie stuff, man. So this was the final part of it. He's entitled to that position. And we talked about it extensively in the time before he made his comments. Having said that, we all signed the TV contract and we can change it the next time around if we want to change it. Thought that was an interesting, if we all want to change it the next time around, like Bob, are you sure everybody's going to be here for that? Like, anyways, (laughs) I, uh, I guess I guess that we'll likely wait till the end of uh, the 12-year agreement and implement it at that time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. wrong quote. Um, anyways, I got I got lost in where I was at, but yeah. At, at the end of the day, man, like I it just the whole I love media days, and I figured Bowlesby 
would have learned his lesson that how much praise he got a year ago. Right now, don't get me wrong, like media, this media, that, but at the same time, like he didn't do himself any more favors over the last couple days. And you're looking at a league that is not heading into an abyss quite yet. Like I, I think there's some warning signs, you know, but just, I don't know. I just, I, he's got, he's got to be able to handle this stuff better. Right. Like he just has yeah. to. Yeah. He's just not a good leader. The big 12 hasn't had a good leader in some time. Like the, the big shame is that Joe Castiglione isn't the, the commissioner of the big 12. Cause he'd probably do a very good job of like what the commissioner of the big 12 is supposed to do. Um, another shame that's swimming around in my head right now is the big 12 is going to be able to puff its chest out and go see, See how good we are if OU wins a playoff game and then it wins the national championship. It's like you do nothing to cater to the team that actually is the reason why people even give a fuck about this conference because it isn't Texas. Now, the media does. The media, of course, does because what, like we hear it every five seconds, man. The, the best job in the country is the head coach of Texas. Or like, look at all these resources they have. Or they're a top 10 team in the preseason and then they play for three games and then we forget about them because they're not good. So that's a little annoying. The Big 12 is going to be able to just kind of like really put this on its pedestal of go of like, yeah, we actually belong. It's like, no, Oklahoma won that. Other conferences do what they can to help out their like title contenders that that have proven it over time. And you guys are just like, no, Oklahoma, you're going to play nine straight games and then have a bye week. Congratulations. It is funny how some things are strategically scheduled in other leagues. You can acknowledge that. I think everybody can. And they should. Like, the Georgia's football schedule this year is just abysmal. I mean, sad. Like, Auburn being their – Auburn and Florida being their only two tough conference games in that league. Again, I I can understand if you point to the Big 12 and say, well, Oklahoma only plays Iowa State and then one other team every year. It's like – it's a lot different. Like if OU was in the SEC and they got paired, you know, their be- toughest game was Arkansas and Missouri. You know, I know that's a far cry from Auburn and Florida, but the point remains the same. Like that would be, that would be trick. That would be catastrophic in my mind. It, it just, but you know, at the same time, um, I think that Oklahoma kind of likes it this way. Right. I don't know. I always, like, this isn't anything – I'm just thinking, like, big picture here, right? Like, I I think Oklahoma enjoys kind of be playing that, like, undercard villain. To, you know, the undercard. The underrated, like, villain card, you know? No, you're, you're exactly right, Keegan. Like, historically speaking, at least in the Switzer era, and we all know, like, if you just do a half-ass research, Bud Wilkinson's teams cheated all over the place in that they paid – so many players come to OU now everybody did. So I'm not putting it down, but OU got caught uh, in doing so. And they got put on probation towards the end of Bud Wilkinson's tenure. Uh, but in terms of like the Switzer era, like, yeah, like OU was, they were the bad boys on the block, not just on the field, but kind of off the field and that they would always try to rock the boat of like, why can't we do things this way? Why are we doing it this way? Why aren't we on TV as much as we should be? Why do all these teams get to benefit from us actually winning games and kicking ass? Like that doesn't seem fair. So OU is well, 
like just well ingrained in their place, which is why like the other thing that we brought up with Derek on uh, through the keyhole last week was how I think Oklahoma found itself in a very nice spot, whereas Nebraska just wasn't used to it uh, in that Oklahoma is just kind of resigned to the fact that, yeah, in the offseason and all the cigar smoking, like rich people meetings in this conference, sure, Texas, you can swing your dick around and, and act like you actually run the show and we'll let you kind of play around like you are. But we all know who's going to win on the field. And OU's fine with that. So OU doesn't necessarily have to be like the big dog in the room at every point that something official is going on because OU's a football school and they know exactly what they are. And that's kind of a nice thing to have. They are. And it was uh, very apparent. You see the quote from Matt Wells today and he, when he was asked what, you know, what he remembered coming into the league, like what was the first thing that, you know, what he knew of or was told. No, what'd he say? He said, uh, I knew I was told that the, the league runs through Norman. I mean, these coaches just keep giving everybody besides Texas gave in, in Oklahoma State and Gundy today. Everybody else was just just basically giving OU free recruiting pub, which I think is a smart thing for them. OU should just start making graphics of like Matt Wells, like sitting at the podium with, that the, he said. with the quote. <laughs> That would be the biggest troll job. Oh, that would be so funny. Matt that Wills would be, be like, so funny. Matt Wills be like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Christie's Toy Box, an Oklahoma City tradition since 1979. With over 15 store locations spread all over Oklahoma and even in North Texas and Missouri, Christie's Toy Box has you covered like a Jimmy hat for all your toy desires of the adult nature. It's 2021. Come on in sometime. Their website has been revamped to match the sleek and sexy style one would assume from Christie's Toy Box. It's easy to use and lends itself well to any mobile device, so you don't have to get in trouble at work and use your computer. The shopping experience is amazing, and the only thing that will bite are these nipple clamps. Type in promo code OUPOD for 25% off everything in your shopping cart. Once again, that's capital O, capital U, capital P-O-D for 25% off whatever you want to spice up your love life or your private reflection period. It's also a fun place to take your mind off things if your favorite team has one inexplicable loss a season. Gee, I wonder who that could mean. One more time, enter promo code OUPOD for 25% off online purchases. Christie's Toy Box, where the fun begins. No, I mean, even Dave Aranda said something that kind of annoyed me. Like, he, he brought up how, like, this... This is a defensive. This is turning into a defensive league, and it's like cool. Yeah, that, that's all well and good, but I mean, really, look at the quarterbacks in this league. Because if Brock Purdy's your second best quarterback in the conference, I mean, what does that really say about the quarterback play in this conference? And that could change with this season. There are some new guys that could certainly raise the uh, bar, of course, but it hasn't been where it ha needed to be. But he also said something about how, yeah, our defense held Oklahoma's offense to its lowest scoring output since 2015 OU Texas or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, there's absolutely no context as to why that actually happened and inquire no further about it. It's like, oh, yeah, Oklahoma practiced with like six players that week. Oh, yeah, Bob Stoops was coaching the defense that week because all their coaches were sick or in quarantine. So yeah, that yeah, Baylor's defense stopped OU. Congratulations, H hang your hat on that. 
I think we, we're at a point of contention here, right? Because I've been big on, like, Baylor's defense from that night. I don't know. No, I mean, offense... We both respect Dave Aranda. Like, like yeah. he's a defensive wizard. The guy is a proven has a proven track record of getting good defenses. And I have no doubt that if, he, if he's given a chance at Baylor, he could really make something work there. Matt Rule did it in just two years, so why can't Dave Aranda do it unless he's just an absolute fraud of a head coach? But to say that, I'm just like, bro... It wasn't just your defense. Oklahoma yeah, had a hell gonna, week of practice. Yeah, I was going to ask. Was I don't? I'm just trying for context, right? I don't think the COVID issues were on offense, though. Like that's that was my only thing, and that was my hold up on. The big thing is the whole the week before, right? Like they they were not like even together that whole week prior. So they only had like five days of practice and game planning together. Um, I think they did everything over Zoom. Uh, for like six straight days while they had the cancellation of the game or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, whatever happened with that, I forgot or uh, whatever. Anyways, I, uh, they had, I forgot who the COVID issues were with. Anyways, I'll, I'll say this. It's way worse that Baylor's offense performed the way it did that night than what Baylor's defense did. Now Baylor's defense was super impressive. Jalen Petrie and the performance he had, I mean, unmatched that I've seen a, a, a DB have against Oklahoma and, long time long long time um but at the end of the day like the fact that OU's defense had COVID issues everywhere besides the defensive line Brady and, <laughs> and uh they did nothing but just wreck Baylor all night that that's the bigger point of that like thing is that he brings up the defense and again congrats it's a big re- you can put that on a recruiting graphic and send it out to recruits which is would be re- which is really smart of a coach to do by that. I mean, you also fired your OC and hired a new one because of him like that. So I, I just, I can't stand when coaches or players, what have you like there, you can bring up facts like, yeah, our defense held OU's offense to a very low scoring output. That's a fact. But then when they start bragging about stuff like that without context, or if they're just basically bragging about something that didn't result in a friggin' win, soft. It is a soft mentality. Like, and Dave Aranda is probably the same type of person that says something like, I just can't believe we, we just hand out trophies now. Like, such a soft society. But then you say something like that. It's like, all right, have fun when OU's hang, like, racking up 600 yards total offense on your ass. And uh, like, at least you had that one game, though. Cool. Oh, I think their defense can be pretty good this year. I don't. I, I. But I mean, at the end of the day, I get. I. I. We're on the same page. I. Uh, I definitely like. If he's gonna say that, like he's got to understand that his offense scored seven points on a defense that literally was not together all week. Like that's, that's a problem. So, it's Tyler uh, Brewer's head hurt, man. His head's not gonna hurt in Utah, I guess. I. Uh, Elevation, but, you know. Did you, uh, I was going to ask, did you see, I guess, I, I know Matt Campbell, there wasn't a lot come out. Did you see what Neil Brown was saying yesterday? Getting real contentious up there. Uh, Neil Brown could be a Pac-12 coach because I also don't hear anything when he talks. I'm just like, who? Who is this? Where, where does he represent? Oh, okay. Never mind. Moving on. No, but what did he say? He was just very aggressive all day yesterday. And, like, someone asked him a question. Like, I guess he had, like, two or three Texas questions about the game last year or something or whatever. I don't know. And 
then he had a West Virginia question and he started out with, well, it was like, I'm glad I finally get to talk about my team. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Like, good Lord. Um, I'm glad you I breakout hope, sessions, he was just straight to the point, too. I mean, I hope, you know, the majority of your team's been vaccinated so that your team can play football uh, this coming year. So I'd love to talk about the Mountaineers, but <laughs> we can't on an OU podcast. I, I've seen them play against OU. Yeah, he had a long opening statement yesterday, which that should tell you everything you need to know, right? Usually coaches with... <sighs> long filibusters are fun. I'm really pissed Sark didn't listen to me at my tweet, though. Someone should have showed him it while he was at the podium. Well, he's all gas, he, no uh, brakes right now. So there's not a lot of thought. I'm sure he, I'm sure he is. I'm, I'm sure he is. I mean, l- literally, if your car loses like its ability to brake, I would imagine there's not a lot of thought going on in your head. Like It's just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Just a whole bunch of that, so... I mean, credit to Sark for just being likable. I mean, he's basically saying a lot of the same things that Herman said, right? Unless I'm completely misinterpreting everything that, like, all these quotes I'm seeing. It's just but, not as brash. Like, it's yeah, just he's the, just likable. Tone. Yeah, he's just it's more likable. Yeah. So more, cool. I mean, for now, I, I'm interested. Again, I'm interested to see. They, I know we're. I'm going to let you scream at my tweet the other day. Um, that's a part of this podcast, but I, uh, I don't know. Like I'm not a huge, like sit here and have major takeaways and like feelings and whatever, but it sounds like every big 12 team had a good off season besides we don't know about Kansas cause they're still stuck in Lawrence and they, uh, outside of outside of that Brady, it was, uh, it looks like it's been a successful media days and, I think everybody, and I'm glad the coaches feel this, and maybe this final point here for media days for me, but it definitely seems like the coaches know that the league is going to be really good this year, which that you don't – I haven't really reading the quotes, and I've never really gotten that since. Like, they're really confident that the league is going to be good, and I think that they think it's going to be good this year, which, again, I, I we've all said that, um, but to hear it from coaches and how do their – kind of the feelings that out of their mouth, um, it's a lot better. It makes me feel a little bit better about kind of where I stand. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the big 12 should be, I mean, fairly balanced at the very least. And it has a high ceiling, of course, with Oklahoma and you can kind of put Iowa state in there just from the experience factor. And there's always the wild card of like, could that third team, whether it be TCU, Oklahoma state, TCU, or even somebody else, maybe they, they reach a ceiling that we didn't foresee, uh, coming into the year. And if they do, then that, implies that they're up there with Iowa state and Oklahoma. And so how good are they, could they actually be? It's just good for the conference. It's good for whoever wins the conference, because that would probably mean they beat that team. At least obviously they beat that team and it's just good for the ranking. Good for the playoff resume moving forward. But um, any, anything from OU's portion of media day, I mean, nothing really stuck out other than Lincoln Riley's little cool comment at the very beginning when he took the big podium, Nothing. Oh, I sent you a tweet yesterday. Oh, yeah. Actually, hold on. I'm now remembering that you did, and I can't call it up the top of my head because I have a uh, I have the, the quote in front of me. Oh, yeah. The uh, five foot eight thing. 
Yeah, so Lincoln Riley was asked about the defensive side of the ball improvement last couple of years in particular. Um, pinpoint kind of moment that you guys thought, okay, you're kind of getting over the hump. Um, and secondly, did you change up how you decide you're going to go about recruiting defensive players? Um, let's get to the first one. Let me unpack this first. Lincoln, yes, you had a moment. It's when you set the program sack record in a game against Texas. Mm. That was that was a moment. That was yummy. I literally sat in the press box at the Cotton Bowl and looked at a longtime OUB writer and said, hey, OU's defense just won them a game. How are you going to write about it? Yes, Lincoln, you had a moment. Don't lie. Anyways, um, as far as recruiting, we have changed in some ways what we look for. I would say probably the defensive front secondary the most. We really put a premium on trying to get bigger in the secondary. There was a several-year stretch there where we were pretty small across the board. Not that you don't can't have a small guy here and there, but you don't want to roll out four, five, eight guys. Have they had five, eight players? It's a little rude to some of the five, eight, five, nine guys, five, ten. <laughs> so we certainly look a lot different there is how he finished that up. Tiny little flowers, man. Precious wool flowers. Hey, I'll but, take t- I'll take 11 Trey Norwoods eight days a week, players like that. But regardless, yes, Lincoln, we all agree. You mean you'd take 11 players who are absolutely afraid to tackle somebody? Now, that aspect of it, I would rather someone else but i'm just talking in terms of just solid players i mean obviously well you, yeah solid players that uh become solid and then even kind of play makeish as their career goes Unexpected, along unex, unexpectedly unexpe- unexpectedly yeah, yeah. having to hey, make a ton of people eat crow again myself included myself included Matt. he became a baller like cool but i mean there's too much there was just too much that we also saw but he improved. No, sure. The whole Absolutely. Point, Absolutely. I'm with you there. whole point of sports is getting better, and he, he did that part of the trick, so good job to him. But, no, that was uh, it was Eric Bailey uh, from the Tulsa World that wrote that and or got the quote, and it was just <laughs> – I mean, it, it it's a whole bunch of the same stuff we've been talking about for a year, like you and I uh, on this podcast. It's been in the Sooner sphere – for the last handful of years since Alex Grinch has come here, just the steady improvement and quick improvement of the Oklahoma defense and what that's meant for recruiting. And then as Grinch has quote unquote, got his guys, you see the trend and gone are the days of, well, we need short guys because short guys are shiftier and more agile. And this conference throws the ball 60 times a game. And we need that. I mean, no, no, you, you need to rush the passer. That's what you need to do. Alex Grinch, like if he was the defensive coordinator at OU four or five years ago, he wouldn't have had that same philosophy when the conference was a much better offensive conference. Uh, I, I'd have to think because he just has a brain. But that actually kind of reminds me of something that you brought up on Through the Keyhole on Tuesday, Keegan, that we both need to do. We are 51 days until kickoff. So meaning tomorrow will be 50 days until you brought up, maybe we should go on a Mike Stoops cleanse for 30 days and i say nay why don't we just do it for 50 days again i don't want to talk about the dude either i'm sick and tired of talking about him but anytime we talk about anything to do with why hasn't oklahoma like got over the hump why haven't they got to where we think they should be you can't answer that question without talking about mike and talking about bob so i lincoln openly talked about him yesterday without saying his name i mean that (laughs) 
it is it is it it is what it is um you did you see any of the breakout stuff i thought again the story about spencer not being there i get it i get the worry the leadership like media talk i get i understand it but god jeremiah hall's like if there is one guy if there are two people in the last since lincoln riley's been head coach to be the spokesperson of the offense Number one's Baker and number two's Jeremiah Hall. Like, without a doubt. Kyler Murray would have loved for Jeremiah Hall to have been on his team. Hey, Jeremiah, will you go do this media? Well, I'm, as a captain. Yes. Type. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, Jeremiah, can I got 10 minutes here. Can you go do it for me? Yes, I'll, yes, I'll go do it. Please. I would love – he loves talking to the media too, but he's also honest. Like, if you can tell from some of the quotes yesterday, he's just so honest. I mean, I remember asking – questions last year during the offensive struggle and it like i didn't think there there was zero bs no nothing so uh, i don't know if you saw any of the quotes or watched anything but i i again just the perfect spoke if rattler's a captain great but if not like jeremiah hall has earned every right to be in the position he's in right now through what he's done during his time at oklahoma and then you just add in the leadership kind of person he is aspect of it. Oh, home run. I mean, I thought he was awesome yesterday. Well, I did see that Jeremiah said he had to call out the offensive line in the offseason to just raise the bar and be better. And I guess some people saw that and interpreted it as, oh, this is bad. Like they must like the offensive line must be very bad. But another thing we talked about on through the keyhole, I think we did on Tuesday. Um, it might have been on Inside OU last Thursday. The offensive line, sure, in the last two seasons, basically since the 2018 year where they had quite possibly one of the best offensive lines in school history, but definitely probably the best offensive line since you know Bob got here, since Lincoln has been the head coach. Uh, while it hasn't been up to that extent in the last two years, the offensive line has been the least of Oklahoma's worries. If Oklahoma was able to make the playoff last year, they weren't going to win or lose because of the offensive line. Like they weren't going to lose because of the offensive line. Like they, they just weren't. Two years ago, the offensive line wasn't as good either, but that wasn't the reason why the the offense couldn't move against LSU. That's not the reason why the team ultimately got destroyed. It wasn't the offensive line. So I kind of see it as the offensive line has been good enough, but it of course needs to like reach a level in order for this team to seriously unlock itself, its potential. And so I saw that quote and said, that's awesome. Somebody's holding this entire you know, like team accountable. I, I want to see that because Jeremiah Hall understands like what's at stake here. He understands that this is a national title year. There are no excuses. And if we're going to get there, like Lincoln Riley also said this, we have to be the best versions of ourselves and then some like, like whether that is, need to have a little bit of luck or guys just kind of like an Eric Swenson. If he has to play a lot, he just reaches a potential that even he didn't think that he had. Like that's what needs to come down. If he's going to win a national title. So I, I like seeing that quote. Sounds like uh, they listened, huh? The uh, They put in some work this summer. That offensive line did Brady. Oh yeah. Man. The, uh, the weight, the weights they're Dro- lifting them. They're And they're dropping them, I guess. And, and literally not figuratively but yeah i mean it sounds like they listened i mean that's i said this that's about the best first sign you know the way benito jeremiah hall and lincoln riley represented themselves but you know what we're talking about right now 
eight of the ten kind of important players offensive line all had great off seasons great off seasons Marquise Hayes dropping 25 pounds that is tip I mean he deserves major kudos um, that's committing yourself that's doing things you need to do put yourself in the best position so it sounds like they answered that call man and it's a uh, that's a good thing again I said this in our in a, in a pa- uh, Patreon post today but I it really feels like the first kind of statement of this season, at least for me. And I know I always get in these little finer, finer details a little bit more, but if you would have told me that the offensive line was the group that had the best kind of performance of the off season in the weight room, in terms of we're on the outside looking in, we don't really know that answer answer, you know, it is, it's very apparent that those guys took their off seasons very seriously. And yeah. I think that's one thing in that they were probably held accountable from Lincoln or they were held accountable from Jeremiah Hall, who was, I don't, when, if we, if I had a Jeremiah Hall position, if this sounds terrible, love Jeremiah Hall, not going to do a position breakdown spotlight on him. No offense, Jeremiah. Um, but if I did Brady, you would, the amount of times he had, he took on a challenge of single blocking a defensive end as a tight end fullback type is so unheard of for a player like him. Like he was getting asked to block uh, like Osai at times. Like he, he was getting asked to block some really, really talented defenders. So it's a, he's got a little bit of weight to throw around there to talk um, in terms of blocking offensive line play. He just uh, needs to catch those passes on third down though. Yeah. And I mean, I hope that that's kind of the message across the board. Like, you could say the same thing about the wide receivers. And, and again, like if the offensive line basically plays exactly like it did last season, that is good enough to win the big 12. Obviously it's good enough to get to the playoff. I would think. Um, and it's also good enough to potentially win a playoff game just because, OU has added experience that it didn't have last year. It's got more talent. It's definitely got more depth on defense. So it's just a more capable team. And, and so again, the offensive line wouldn't be the biggest worry if they basically just do what they did last year. But again, you want to increase your margin for error. And that would mean the offensive line reaches a potential that it didn't hit last year. So guys like Anton Harrison that got playing time uh, reach that potential. Uh, Wanya Morris, you're coming in with a lot of hype. You got to reach that potential. Andrew Rame, uh, there is a lot of hype and optimism surrounding your game. You got to go out there and prove it. So I like that Jeremiah Hall's doing that. I, I hope that someone's doing that with the wide receivers. Last year was good enough. It was good enough, but there was a lot of meat left on the table. You all know this. We don't need to tell you this, but please go out there and step it up. Because Spencer Rattler is not going to be able to throw dimes every single pass. Sometimes you got to go up there and make a make a play. Go up there and make he a may. play. You've got who knows. <laughs> you've got to get that. You've got to block a little bit harder, a little bit extra time downfield to turn a twenty yard play into a thirty yard play. Like all that stuff matters and it adds up. And so I'm just glad that this team is getting told that. It sounds like accountability is a, a thing in Norman Brady. Sounds like culture isn't. Maybe maybe distraction would have been some of the better phrasing to use about the yeah. arrest situation, not culture. Which, which implies that OU understands that winning is in fact hard. It does. It does. And it, it implies that they've won a lot and mm. that they've, you know, I don't know if you saw the quote when Lincoln was asked about last season, but 
It's just, it, I think that last year, like even in the trials and tribulations and the frustrations, and even from my perspective, watching them play at times, you know, I, I they grew up, man. Like, I think Lincoln grew up. I think Alex Grinch grew up. I think Joe Castiglione probably grew up. You know what Joe Castiglione was looking at? An 0-2 start trying to continue to sell season tickets for 21? 0-2? Hell no. You know? So, like, I think everybody – I think last year was probably a really great learning experience for a couple things. Don't just give away games. Two, gotta, it's from the start. I mean – we could talk about Oklahoma showing up six weeks later than everybody. And I know that's a very easy, you know, low hanging fruit to go after. There's probably some truth to it, but at the end of the day, like that group came in last year expecting to be able to walk out there and they be just be good enough to beat everybody. And they, I think again, when that happens and you humble yourself, um, Maybe he doesn't. Maybe Lincoln still shows up and says what he said at the beginning of his press conference yesterday. But it yeah. definitely seems like this group is very – the people that are going to be driving this team from internally, leadership, I'm not too worried about. Maybe it was a question six months ago. I'm not too worried about it now. Yeah, exactly. And when you bring that up, like it just kind of hammers home that the leadership of this program is so strong because – I mean, how many times in sports have we seen a team with expectations walk into a season with that same mentality of like, we can just walk onto the floor, walk onto the field and win just cause, and then they get slapped in the face and lose a game or two early on. And they just fold because that team, that team doesn't have strong leadership, but Oh, you did. And anybody questioning Spencer Rattler's leadership, that dude got benched in OU's biggest regular season game in front of everybody in broad daylight in front of multiple witnesses and he didn't piss and moan about it. In fact, he just got better. That's what a leader does. That's what a great player does. And does he have a lot to improve on? Of course. He's not a fully realized adult football player yet. He's going to get better. He's going to continue to make some mistakes here and there. Uh, you also pointed this out on Through the Keyhole, and I kind of wanted to bring this up here. He dropped, what, 10 pounds? 10, 15 pounds? Yeah, that was in, that's interesting. Like, I'm not a big, like, quarterback weight guy, but I all aboard the Lincoln saying he needed to add strength, like losing 10 pounds. I'm, this isn't a negative. This is this, this, I mean, this is, <laughs> we're cutting, we're cutting close here on like what's really important, what's not. But <laughs> I thought it was, I, I thought like whatever I saw, I'm just like, that's like the opposite direction of what they said they wanted him to do, right? Well, I mean, if you want to get deep, deep into what limited knowledge I have of, body composition, weightlifting, and stuff sure. like that. Um, I mean, I only know this because Spencer Rattler advertises what he looks like without a shirt off or without a shirt on uh, on social media. Um, there there looked like to be some weight that could be shed, basically, sure. like as much sure. as last year. So, and again, he's 20, 21 years old. He's still got some baby fat on him. So if it's as simple as that, then he's just become more lean and therefore stronger, even though he's lost weight. Uh, but even still at the same time, the reason why I wanted to bring this up was because we have a track record, at least I do, of talking about him in terms of his athletic ability when he takes off uh, out of the pocket. When he's rolling around, he's got just he's got enough athleticism to make uh, throws on the run very accurately. Uh, he's a dangerous quarterback when he's leaving the pocket as well. But when he takes off, 
he's clearly not, he's not Kyler, but nobody is, but he's not a running quarterback. And one of the things I hope Lincoln is talking to him about is, and he kind of brought this up, I think on Twitter, or he was talking about how it took him X amount of years to get Baker and Kyler to learn how, or to get Baker to learn how to slide. I hope that that same thing is going on with Lincoln because you lose a little weight. Sure. If you become stronger, that's okay. But I don't want a 200 pound quarterback trying to deliver blows in the open field to guys that are 220, 240 that are designed to hit you. And if you're giving them a free crack at you, like, dude, this is bigger than you. If you get hurt with just a minor injury and it affects your throwing motion like it did against Kansas, this whole thing can go off the rails. Well, if you listen to some people, no. I mean, the guy who's going to be his backup, never mind. I, uh, I'm with <laughs> you. I, I, I look at it and it's like the biggest thing for him more than anything in terms of what you're talking about is just like stop trying to make guys miss. Cause like he only has only tried to run over one guy and it went poorly. So I don't see him ever trying that again. I don't know. It's been, I hope. Knows. Um, but just stop trying to make guys miss. Like you can, but just get your yardage, get down, you know, is what it is. But I, uh, again, I don't know. Like I've never paid attention to quarterback weight, I guess is the best way to put this. You know, so like, I don't know what to make of that. I've never really actually like seen that, like where, you know, the entire off season's like built on like adding weight and strength and then losing, yeah. like, like it's just, it's, it's just weird to me. So, um, yeah, I thought it was, uh, no, we're, I know we're kind of wrapping up meet OU media day side of this, but thought it was, uh, speaking of the season, thought it was interesting. Mr. Uh, Danny Stutzman showing up at six three two thirty. My God, the hype train is left the station and I got caught. Yeah, um, I, I've basically tried to not have a take on him because, I mean, clearly Alex Grinch is enamored with his potential. And, you know, I will defer to Alex Grinch because he's clearly shown in the time he's been here that he knows what the hell he's doing. Um, but at the same time, like I'm trying not to have a take on him because I'm afraid that if I do, it's going to. Like Isaiah Coe, I'm very excited about. And mainly that's just because no one really ever talks about him. But when you see the guy, it's just like, holy crap. Look at this dude. Look at look at this dude. This dude will terrorize people on the football field. This is going to be awesome to watch. If I do that, if I basically try to have a take about Danny Stutzman, it's going to be something like that. And I just, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. And I'm probably going to lead into that as we go along. And especially if he gets playing time on special teams or even get some rotational play on defense that isn't super garbage time. And he starts making some plays like then that'll just go out the window. I'm just like, yep, he's going to be an all American this year. <laughs> no, for sure. I thought there were some interesting ones though. Like, like Joshua Eaton, welcome to the show, man. Every like people stop talking. Like I don't, I never understood that. I mean, he was six, two and it, 170 pounds soaking wet when he showed up of course he wasn't he he wasn't gonna look like a guy like come on people yeah now he's 6'2 or 6'1 a buck 85 and looks like an nfl player welcome to the show josh i want to see him succeed he's a he's a good looking player man he's a he's probably one of the better well put the guy well better well put together guys that they have in that secondary yeah he's a 
that, that was a good one. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I uh, obviously I uh, messed up Isaiah Thomas. He actually isn't 275. The roster says 266. I already fixed it, but I'm not deleting my tweet. So, or the Patreon comment. I'm kidding. I'll go. I'll you go can't. Here in a bit. You can't do that now because you've got the check mark. Uh, there's the first one. There it is. Well, I mean, we talked about that for about 20 minutes on through the keyhole. So if you, <laughs> we did, I also, we did. while we were recording, I requested verification. And uh, so I'm still waiting for that. So we'll see. Oh, it's I'm with, I'm with you there. I'm interested <laughs> in this, in this and see how this endeavor goes. I, uh, no, I can't, I'm trying to like Kelvin Gilliam showing up at six two two forty four was a little disturbing, but like there was a lot more disturbing things. In that, I don't know about Kelvin Gilliam. It just came off the top of my head. But, like, Damon Harmon, you know, showing up at six foot, 169 pounds, give him two years, three yeah. years um, before before he'll be ready. Um, Trey Bradford, the other one that really stuck out besides the ones, showing up at 211. Yeah. Boy, oh, but, boy. I mean, I again, didn't expect that. again, like with Alex Grinch, he's kind of – by virtue of how he's proven to be a defensive coordinator and develop players and the depth that he's been able to accrue over the last two and a half, three years, he's to a point now where you can go after like a, a Stutzman or you can get, go after a Harmon because um, you can look at a kid, look at his frame, look at how he plays and, and drills and, and of course in the game itself in high school and you can project out. And it's nice to know that I can actually throw a scholarship at this kid. I think he's kind of a diamond in the rough. And I know unless something terrible happens with the current players, he's going to have plenty of time to develop as, you know, like his, his body. He's going to have a plenty of time to get a few off-season programs under his belt. And by the time that he's actually ready to play because the upperclassmen have gone on to bigger and better things, then he's physically ready. And maybe he turns into something that we didn't even like under, like project out even two or three years ago when he was in high school. So um, you know, there's nothing wrong with giving scholarships to guys that when they get onto campus, you look at their height, weight, and all their measurables, and you go, well, What's the difference between this and uh, Mike Stoops's guys or Kerry Cook's guys? Um, well, they're not coming here to play day one. That's that's the big thing. And mm-hmm. like we saw with so many great, potentially really good cornerbacks and safeties um, at OU over the last handful of years, they got shoved into the fire when before, well before they were ready. And for all we know, it just destroyed their confidence and they never were able to become the players that they could have potentially became. So, I mean, that's another good thing that Alex Grinch has done. It is. It absolutely is. I've got no other defensive players in front of me, Brady, but we do need to shout out a couple people. Anton Harrison dropping 25 pounds from last year. It's a right tackle. It's probably another case of baby fat. Probably COVID 18 years, 18 well. years old, man. 19. Yeah. Nate Anderson. Welcome to the show. See if he can, he's up to two, uh, 290 plus. He can play guard now. Yeah. He was at 280 last year, 280 well, pounds. That what's wow. What's new offensive lineman Marcus Hicks listed at? Oh, Marcus is at 285, 6'5. I mean, th- is that, I'm is interested. That, I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. I mean, obviously the easy answer is like, that's just a depth thing, but there are how many offensive linemen on this roster? I mean, you're Eric Swenson now with Noah Nelson gone and Stacy Wolfskin's also gone. Uh, 
Derek Swinson to now your backup left and right tackle. And then after him, uh, Savion Bird, I guess. Uh, Aaron Parks. Yeah. I mean, two guys that don't have a lot of playing time quite yet. So, if it's a tackle, it makes sense. Like, Marcus Hicks as a guard also makes sense. Like, I don't know where he ends up fitting along the offensive line. But, I mean, he's a former wrestler. So, he's going to he's gonna have technique and great with his hands. And uh, the movement, all that stuff will be natural to him. So, it, they'll, they'll get to know pretty quick. I mean, they'll know by the end of fall camp if Marcus Hicks is going to be entering the portal after the season or not. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma, I mean, you go back to when they landed him. Oklahoma landed him over Michigan when Michigan was just recruiting defensive linemen like crazy. That was such a major get for them at the time. Hopefully he can put it back together and, and become a guy in Norman. His dad, for his dad's sake, and that's nothing, I'm not saying anything negative here, but it's obviously outspoken on Twitter. So fun, fun follow at times. <laughs> oh, how would you be? If you ever have kids, Keegan, and one of them is lucky enough to play football or baseball or basketball or whatever at a school like OU, are you going to be a helicopter dad? No, me. Like I, like my kid probably, he's in college, would text me and be like, hey, you know, got a ticket last night or whatever. I'd be like, all right, you get it taken care of? No, not yet. Okay, go get it taken care of. And then I would just be like, all right, never, nothing happened. You know, like blah, blah. So probably well, not. If Twitter is still a thing, you know, at the very least 19, 20 years from now, I mean, you're going to be a blue check mark still by then. And so your kid's going to have, two. your kid's going to have like such a spotlight shown upon him as a result. Like it's, I don't know if I could handle that much pressure. Like imagine yeah. like, imagine like Michael Jordan's two sons playing basketball when they got to college. And it's just like, yeah, we're clearly nowhere near our dad. So please don't expect us to be because we're just not. And then, you know, their careers flamed out as a result. You know, I'm going to get a blue check mark tattooed on my baby's butt. You, just oh, so he knows. I think that's illegal. It probably is. Baby, yeah. I signed off on it for him. Poor baby. Yeah. No, I would, uh, I'm not, I wouldn't be, I'm, I'm very laid back in that's with that kind of stuff. Like you do your thing, you learn your lessons. I'll be here for you at your best times and your worst times. That's how I always am. And then I'm going to be hard. I'm going to be a hard on your ass though. When it, things are, if you want it, if you're part of it, um, that's just kind of how I am. So, but, uh, but yeah, I would, uh, I'm interested by this Marcus six thing, man. I like, because part of me looks at the depth chart that we have on our, on my Google sheet right now and looks at the defensive line and says, how are, how is Oklahoma going to get for Jordan Kelly this year? And how the hell are they going to find snaps for Mark this year? <laughs> yeah. Or next year. Well, I mean, it's a good tough, pro- I mean, tough, a, good problem. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, good tough problem one. to have. Oh, he's get, getting into that spot where they've, they needed to be so times are good keegan did you have any fomo over big 12 media day yeah a little bit not gonna lie i was uh man those breakout sessions are so good there's such valuable information you can get there if you go and ask the right questions and you're not asking repetitive ones and you're asking questions that these coaches haven't heard or 
you know, and obviously for me, like I was always asking football questions to climb in and those guys. So um, I missed it. I, uh, but at the end of the day, like I know that it's going to be a lot bigger and better things if I'm, yeah. because I'm not there, you know what I'm saying? So like, I'm not, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it'll be one of those things that like four years from now, or maybe even next year, probably not four or five years from now, I'm going to see it. I'm going to be like, ah, oh, this. So, but yeah, I missed it yesterday. Well, Never I know, did. I know for certain, like, I don't care what anybody else thinks, but as far as I'm concerned, this is football season because I consider football season to be where I'm acutely aware of what's going on and I'm hypersensitive to anything said to besmirch the University of Oklahoma football team. So when all these coaches are saying things and I'm like getting going off on Twitter, like, no, screw this, screw you, screw that. I'm just like, all right, it's football season now. All that offseason crap's over. Like you I, uh, are, you are enemy number one, and I'm sorry, but Tulane, you're in the way right now. Oh, I've had a week on Twitter.com, have I not? I mean, I, I realized and I found out this week that the Iowa State fan base may be more, I don't know more, but they're pretty damn unrealistic and pretty damn arrogant. Holy crap! So I was. I kind of was, you know, set the match to some of the stuff, obviously, Brady. But I think at the end of the day, I got my, oh, fans are fans are in tune. Fans are paying attention moment this week. Because, yeah. my, my God. So, I know, you're gonna, I know you want to get into it and trash my ass for it. So, go ahead. We'll set it up. Let's get it over, get it over with. No, I, uh, you know what I always do about this time of the year. I've done all my research and start looking at win totals and doing all sorts of those fun things. And I found five and I have more than five. I'll post some others as we get closer and get closer to the season because I'm a marketer in my head an entrepreneur in my head. Um, but I, uh, I found definitely these are all schools that I've watched and done research on and the number just seems off on all of them for me personally and just looking through the schedules and I've showed those schedules with you that I've you know looked at taking you through my thought process so yeah and they were five it was uh, Iowa State over nine and a half Oklahoma State over seven and a half TCU over those two make no sense to me TCU over seven and a half um or no no, no. Wisconsin over nine and a half wins and USC over eight and a half I think, I mean, they just, none of those made much sense to me. And the, the only one that kind of did was Wisconsin. Yeah. That was the only, because they have, they, and I know this is off topic from where you want to go here, but just get out of the way. They have Penn State week one at home. They get Notre Dame in Chicago and Michigan at home is three of Wisconsin's first four games. So, but once they get past that, it's pretty smooth sailing. So I'm, I'm definitely anti-Penn State, anti-Michigan, and uh, kind of anti-Notre Dame's offense a little bit. But that was the only one I think is like even a, a little bit questionable, but I know I'm about to be enlightened as to at least one other one. Well, I mean, basically, like, if you said, like, if you just focused on one or two particular teams that aren't Oklahoma or Iowa State – basically just one in the big 12 and you wanted to go over like, okay, like you, that's just an opinion that you have about that particular team. And you have your reasoning that sure, but it, it really just felt like 
you're, you just think you're, you're erring on the side of absolute optimism with this conference. And I mean, I'm excited for it. We talked about it at the very beginning about how the big 12 as a conference feels like that this year's going to be truly special. Um, I agree, but I'm also no you fan. If I was a Oklahoma state fan, if I was a Kansas state fan, I don't know if I'd really care or have an opinion on it because, well, I don't like my school is going to win six, seven, eight games. If they're lucky, you know, maybe they beat one of the big dogs and then we can make a t-shirt out of it and then look forward to the following season. But to me, it's just the big 12 rarely it fares well in non-conference. And I know the non-conference schedule is fairly cake and there are like a ton of winnable games, but I, I've just, over the years, I've been beaten down so much by looking at off-season schedules or looking at schedules in the off-season and going, oh, the Big 12 should have, like they should go into conference play with a very good reputation this year, which could, of course, help Oklahoma out if they lose a game, which we all know they will. Uh, and that never happens. Like the Big 12 embarrasses itself or they win games like, like for instance, Texas Tech and Houston Baptist last year. Um, if anybody paid attention to that, ooh, that that may as well have been a loss. So I don't I don't know. I just I'm excited for the Big 12 at the same time, Keegan. I just I, I guess I just don't share the same optimism that you have. Yeah, and I, and I shared this with you. This was the, one of the crazier stats. This will be the first time Iowa State's been favored over Iowa since 2000. That is that, a stat. That's a stat. That is nuts. Uh, um, but yeah, the, it's a it's a relatively easy non-con. And I think that's what was kind of my joke on Twitter, right? Like, not this wasn't it wasn't directed at you and it wasn't directed at anybody. It was just more of like, it's like, man, Big 12 fans were not happy with me saying I think the Big 12 is gonna be pretty good at non-con. I don't expect Kansas State to beat Stanford. I'm with you there. Um, I'm on team fade Kansas state and fade West Virginia this year and West Virginia. We're going to learn pretty quickly if that defense is any good because uh, yeah, this is, is I'm not walking back on a take here. Cause you know, the take, but there's some signs from two as little brother that he may actually be pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah. still we, we got a lot to confirm there. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot he's going to have to do, but the sign early signs, the returns are good. So West Virginia is probably going to lose that game. Um, Virginia Tech's not any good. Brady, former OU guy down up there in uh, Blacksburg, not having a good time in our Justin old, Fuente like, quarterback, Justin Fuente. So uh, I think that you look at it and like the teams that I expect to be the top four teams in the league, I think are in a little bit different level than the teams that are behind them. So like that's Oklahoma. TC, TCU, Iowa State, and Texas, or in Oklahoma State. So the top five, right? Did, did I do that right? Yeah, five. It's five. Four. Oklahoma, Iowa State, TCU, Texas, and Oklahoma State. So five. Okay. So the top five schools are going to be, uh, I think they're a little bit more separated than Kansas State, Baylor, and West Virginia. You add that in with the fact that I think like everybody's making the Cal and SMU games for TCU, like out to be tough. TCU's lost those games before. Don't get me wrong. I'm well aware that they've, they've, they got beat by TCU two years ago, like, or by SMU, not great. So, but at the same time, like if you look at the numbers now, like there are more than a touchdown favorite against both of those teams. So they have an over 70% chance right now, based off the numbers and data, whatever they have, uh, they've, they've pretty good odds to winning those games. So um, the Iowa State one, I can understand. 
I was projected, Brady, and this is – I know you've heard me say this. I was projected to have the number one defense in the country for next year. And, like, yeah, yeah, your eyes are widening. So, like, that's what I'm saying. So, like, the projection for them I think is a little bit off. I think it's a top 10 D, top 15. I've studied a little bit. But, like, I don't think that – if they're not a top five defense, Iowa State should relatively be able to win that game. Now, I get the history and all the other things that go with it, but – Iowa's offensive line isn't what it's typically been. Uh, the quarterback's still terrible. Um, the running back's not, you know, any special. And Iowa State's linebackers are going to be good. I mean, their defense is going to be pretty good. So I know all right, we'll get we'll have a longer time to talk about Iowa State at some point um, and kind of deep dive. I know we will. But, yeah, I think it's interesting, man. I Those are only five, though. You know, like I said, Texas, I have them winning nine games, like eight. Eight for me, Ooh. like the, the line that have eight, and if you think nine or either, if you think nine, like eight wins for Texas is such a perfect line for them, Brady, for this year because of their schedule being easy. Like that, I, I don't even know if you can have a better line. Like set, if you did seven and a half, I'd take over. If you do eight and a half, I'd take under. You know, like eight is perfect. So um, those are really the only uh, other ones. You notice I didn't take Oklahoma 11 and a half, though. I, as, I wouldn't touch that. <laughs> uh, Go 12 and 0. I, I, I think it, I believe it to my fullest ability. I just couldn't predict. I, I can't, I couldn't put my money where my mouth is with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's very easy just with the same logic I was using. Like history has shown the Big 12 has sucked in non conference. And history has shown that, oh, you will lose a game for reasons, you know, like whether it's them or, the other team plays their best game they're ever going to play. Like it, there are reasons that happen. And as we get closer and closer, like I, I truly believe this team is a national title contender and can very well win it. Um, but then I keep telling myself like they're going to play nine games and then have a bye week right before a road game in Waco and then Iowa state and then Oklahoma state that, that doesn't bode well, you know, for whatever reason. So, uh, well, they can still overcome it. They can still win all their games, but that's just like, that's not ideal. I want my bye week a little earlier, uh, but is it, is it bad that I think that like Oklahoma state would probably be better off if that game was earlier. They just don't ever win that game at the end of the year, man. They, they won't have 14. They don't ever win that game at all. Keegan, they, they could play that on the moon. True. It would matter. Very true. But 2017 was mid season and it was good game. Close because the defense sucked at the time. I get that. That was, was that OSU's best team since 2011? Like it's either them, it's either that team or 2013 that should have beaten OU. 13 team. I I mean, that team, that team was only better than Oklahoma on paper. It wasn't that that team was just really good because what was it? JW Wall or Clint? Clint Shelf was the quarterback. Clint yes. Shelf was Enid's uh, own Clint Shelf. Yeah, I mean, shout out Enid, but Clint Shelf was not one of the reasons why Oklahoma was able to win that game was because Clint Shelf was OSU's quarterback. Oh, a thousand percent. So they played fuck. They played fucking Trevor Knight, Kendall Thompson, and Blake Bell in the same game. Well, no, as everybody actually, knows, actually, they played. They played Trevor Knight, and then they played Kendall Thompson, and then did they go back like? I feel like I have a memory of them going to not another quarterback, but 
did they go back to Trevor Knight or did they go to Blake Bell first? They then went Thompson? back to Trevor and then Trevor got the concussion before half. Yeah. Okay. So it, it was like Bob didn't want to play Blake Bell at all or no. Josh, whoever was trying to make the call there. Like they were like, I guess we'll play Blake Bell. <laughs> was he that bad in the Texas game that I guess I just don't remember why he never took grasp of that job. He, that's actually pretty I mean, recent. I should know the answer. He, he wasn't, he wasn't good, and maybe I'm completely missing something, but the defense just really laid an egg that day, and they let average receivers run by them. They let uh, Case McCoy like drop dimes all over him. I mean, that's really where it was lost. Blake Bell didn't play uh, very well. And I, did he throw an interception early on or fumble? I can't recall, but, I mean, it was, it was low on the totem pole of OU problems was Blake Bell's play. I think it just a lot of it just – either Bob or Heupel understood, well, they can't run Heupel's offense because nobody in that room had the bright idea of, well, maybe we should adjust to Blake Bell's strengths. Crickets. Crickets. Uh, 2013 Oklahoma State's defense. That's the only reason why I give them the nod over 17. That That's really it. Defense was that, definitely better. That defense was good. It's That defense, it's so weird seeing their defense now. Like legit, like have that's what's so funny too. Like for all for us now, watching Oklahoma play defense, it's like now everybody else's standards are much different. Because if yeah. I would sit here and if I if I would have sit here and told you, now don't get me wrong, I don't think West Virginia's defense is the eleventh best defense heading in the next season by any means, Brady. And I think we agree on that. But the fact that the Big Twelve has Iowa State has three teams in the top fifteen three teams in the top like 16 for next year defensively is wild yeah like hearing Dave Aranda say that this is a defensive league after two years removed from the SEC is just erotic pardon I don't usually say words like that on this podcast but hearing a coach say it was music to my ears music yeah Yeah, uh I guess it's just okay. Oklahoma's going to start playing defense, so we can't just we can't just feel like we can just outscore them potentially, because you could very well have that philosophy a handful of years ago. With well, the I think Oklahoma- it was very apparent in the way Army beat almost beat Oklahoma in twenty eighteen. It's like everybody just decided to go get bigger and run the football a little bit more, be able to throw stuff underneath. It's like everybody kind of used that game as a strategy. strategy. Yeah, everybody saw that and said, "Hey guys, if we just if we just hold on to the football for forty eight minutes, and Kyler and Kyler Murray basically gets one drive in the second half, you know, we might beat them." I think that's a easily replicatable like path to success. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just saying in general. Brady. I know. I know. <laughs> if I, if um, I agreed with you the whole time, this would be a boring podcast. No, it's, but that's what makes this great. I would say, what, what, what do you, I, I threw out those five. I know you only know, really know three of them. Like, how do you like, I know you don't know their schedules as probably as well as I do at this point, but like, how do you view that? Cause Iowa state does catch Iowa, Oklahoma state, TCU in Texas at home. Like that is, you can't have the stars align than that. I think Iowa State's floor is a two-loss team. Now, where do they get that second loss is what we're going to find out. So, like, do they get that in the regular season? You know, in that case, then they've truly not 
met expectations. There's if they lose, no way they lose to Iowa and then go over nine and a half, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, my weird take is going to be with the team we were just talking about, Oklahoma State. I have no idea how good Boise State is. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State goes to Boise. I don't feel very good about Oklahoma State's chances in that game. I don't. I don't either. No, and again, I have, I have no idea what Boise State is. I have no idea in terms of like what they're returning from last year. Uh, but that is going to be a rocking stadium. This is, I mean, it's going to be one of the biggest games in Boise State history in that stadium. And it's just Oklahoma State. Yeah. Um, what other games have they played Oregon at home? Because LeGarrette Blunt punched a fan. They played punched another player. They played um, Oregon. They when TCU was in the whack for a few like a year or two, and those were really that was the TCU team that won the Rose Bowl, I believe. Um, they were they were playing like Andy Dalton, TCU, and Boise. Uh, so in terms of like that team, that was a big game. Uh, there have been some big Fresno State games uh, when Fresno State was kind of like a mid-major power uh, for about a decade. Those were like fun, exciting, like 55 to 45 games. I'm I'm really trying to remember, and I, I think outside of those games, maybe, uh, maybe they've had Utah come to town, maybe BYU, maybe... Um, I think that that's about it. They didn't play Colorado when Hawkins went there. Yeah, I, like this is going to be. They played a. Did they do a home and home with Georgia? I know they went to Athens, and they went to. I remember Flor- that. I don't they remember went, if they did a home and home. Though. Yeah, because Boise basically went through this phase, like after they beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl, where they were playing one-off games, like to kick off, like kickoff specials, to mm-hmm. get more exposure because teams wouldn't sign that home and home with them for whatever. Yeah. Like we don't want to play on a blue field. I don't think uh, they want to go play in Boise, Idaho. I mean, what sir? What does that do for anybody? Yeah, exactly. Um, now, I think I think Joe Castiglione tried to ask them for a home and home after the Fiesta Bowl, but Boise was like, uh, "No, we don't want we don't want this to be like no. This is uh, this is it. Bye, bye, bye." Don't hate on don't hate on them for that either. That's ext- I wouldn't play Oklahoma either. No, no that's ex- that's heck, that's exactly how. If I ever gamble, that's how exactly how I gamble. The <laughs> second if I put twenty dollars in and I win five cents, I'm like done because I want to leave saying I won. <laughs> I don't I'll like this, losing. Bo- Boise just lost their, I think, almost entire coaching staff because Harson went to Auburn. Um, that combined with Oklahoma State's defense gets me a little more comfortable. But there's a caveat to that, Brady. Yeah, is Trace Ford going to play in that game? When is Trace Ford going to be back? Did we get yeah, that answer today? I don't believe so. Because he's a uh, a very important player to their success, and I would really like to know before I say it much more on Oklahoma State season. Uh, but my impression was that they can get past Boise, that non-con. They have an easy Big 12 slate to start out and uh, find a way to scrap some wins. And I, I, I'll say this, you know, this is off topic, and I don't know if – I know you've been up to Boone Pickens before, but whenever – I the Oklahoma games have been at, three of them have been blowouts. Two of them was – one was an ice game in 13 and then the game in 17 – yeah. The game at 17, my uncle and I couldn't even hear each other talk. Like, I, I, have you ever had an experience at Boone? I, there was my thought going into the 17 game was like, this has been the weirdest stadium I've ever been in because, yeah. like, it's not la- like it doesn't get super loud, but it's rowdy enough. But that night it was wild. 
It was it was wild just because the game kind of lended itself to being one. Um, I mean, the loudest it's ever been for a game I've been at it in Boone Pickens was uh, probably the 2010 game where uh, Cameron Kenny or James Hanna has the 80 yard touchdown. Then OSU returns a kickoff uh, immediately after, and then Cameron Kenny goes 75 yards. Like that, those moments were super loud, and it was a it was a very well played game in terms of like both teams making plays all game long. The 2017 game was the quintessential how the media views the Big 12 game. No <laughs> it was. Def- no, you're right. No, you're right. No defense was played outside of like two or three plays where Kenneth Mann like body slammed Mason Rudolph and forced a fumble, and then former OU captain Kenneth Mann. Yes, and who was it? Uh, Jordan Thomas or Parnell Motley had that, or Will Johnson had the interception in the red zone. Yes, it was Will and Baker had two interceptions and still lit it up that he had best. That's the best passing game, I believe, by a quarterback. Um, maybe Kyler broke it. I don't I don't know. I, uh, I'm just trying to think about that. They talked about 2015 TCU. And I remember the videos coming out of that night. They were I think that pushed into like eight. No, on the season in 15, if yeah. I remember correctly. And I know that it was wild up there. They don't. They have a pre, I mean, it's pretty good. I, I'm kind of off topic here, but that should that should help them. They get can Oklahoma State gets Kansas State at home. The only the and they get TCU at home. They just get Iowa State and Texas on. Like that just doesn't feel good, you know? Like yeah, that doesn't that doesn't feel right. But I think like you saw there was a quote today that, you know, I don't you know, coach speak, take for what it's worth. It was pretty strong from Gundy though, that Sanders he's improved more in the last since he got to spring ball in April or March, like he's, yeah. he's improved more since then and since he, than he has in two years was Gundy's quote. And that's the case. And this Oklahoma state's a really tricky conversation, Brady. I believe their offense is like projected to be 52nd, but their defense projected to be like 16th. Yeah. Like it's, Oof. it's completely ass backwards. Like if that offense climbs into the thirties, you know, like what is it, what does their season look like? It improves just a little bit from what yep. they did a year ago, you know. So it's it's interesting, and that's what makes the league so good because TCU's offense is also projected to be low. But everybody in the Big Twelve thinks that they're going to put up points this year, which I don't see it. But who knows? Who knows? It's uh, it's an intriguing league, intriguing time in the in the league um, this year. That was really bad there. But I I look at it, and just to finish my kind of thoughts up, what we're talking about, I like. Am I crazy to think that the gap between Baylor, Kansas State, and Texas Tech in the top of the league is wide? West no. Virginia? No, like, I, I, th- I think it is too. I just, Kansas State does nothing for me, man. They just don't. And that, I like Deuce Vaughn a lot as a player. I like Malik Knowles as an NFL receiver that they have. I know he's made some plays in some OU games. Um, you know, Skylar Thompson, obviously, but I mean, their offensive line was terrible last year. Would their anybody defense- know? Deuce Vaughn's name if OU didn't go to sleep for a quarter and a half. Would would anybody? I mean, he had he had pretty massive games against TCU and Texas Tech too. Before. Do people watch Kansas State play TCU? No, but he, he he had that he had I believe Max Olson wrote that huge ass profile on him from with the athletic Max Max Olson. I think he wrote that profile on him before the season, and then like nobody ever nobody stopped talking about him since then. So oh, I don't know. Kansas State got another little tiny running back. You know, that 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 Darren Sproles 2.0. Like people are so lazy with their comps sometimes. 
Yeah. Let's not be Jalen Rose here and say that this white player coming out of the draft reminds me of this other white player in the NBA. It's like, come on, dude. Let's think harder about things. I mean, Deuce Vaughn's a fine player, but I, I you know, I, again, it's football season. He's he's good. It's bad that he couldn't outrun Pat Fields. And that's there nothing you go. Pat Fields. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yes. that's nothing against Pat Fields, but the fact that he couldn't outrun him to the end zone was shocking, right? Like a little bit surprising. Yeah, I mean, he's you, quick as shit, though, man. Very good quick. Lord. Uh, I went back and looked at some Boise State stuff. Their current coach is going to be Andy. Avalos, the former Oregon defensive coordinator, he played at Boise State and he coached at uh, Boise State for a handful of years as a position coach, uh, co-DC from 2019-2020 before last season where he was at Oregon. Uh, but eh, I'm still, I'm also trying to look through their schedules over the years. Nothing really big time. Um, I mean, Avalos was really big in getting Kayvon Thibodeau to commit to Oregon. So <laughs> was, <that's>, was he? <laughs> yeah, 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 was, was he? Who but in, ter- in terms of Boise State next season, again, I have no idea how good or bad they're going to be, but they, they go right about them. They go right on the road to play UCF to start the year. Yeah, it's on my uh, viewing schedule. Yeah, I got to watch some. I got to watch both of them. Get, yeah, get my so. Mind right. They play at UCF and they play UTEP and then Oklahoma State. So we should have a very good idea of what Oklahoma State's walking into at the very least at that point. Yeah, we should. Yeah, no, with uh, Chiswick and that group down there in Orlando, you should see what some of the UCF people have been saying. No, I think that was a great, I think that was a great hire. Like, I I don't think that much of, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, no, wait, am I Auburn's Auburn's old head coach. Yeah, it's I'm th- I I it's got uh, not their old old head coach. Yeah, uh, Gus Bus. Gus Bus. Uh, Gus Malzahn. I don't think that much of him as a head coach in terms of like when he's given the keys of a program like Auburn. I know he's been to a national title game, but he always seemed like that coach that would go through a two year spell of being terrible and then in his like hot seat year, then they'd win nine or ten games and then he'd get an extension as a result. Uh, but at UCF I think that's a good hire. I think that that's something that's a guy who can sustain the success they've enjoyed over the last six, seven years. So again, we'll know a little bit about Boise state, which will then tell us exactly how hard that game is going to be for Oklahoma state. And as much as it embarrasses me to say, Oklahoma state cannot lose that game. That will be potentially hazardous and embarrassing for the big 12. If OSU goes there, there and loses, there's five games. Sorry. Sit. There's six games the Big 12 can't lose this year. Brady, Iowa State, Iowa, number one, top of the list. Has to happen. Has to happen. Has to happen. Yeah. Has to be the year. Uh, Texas has to beat Louisiana and Arkansas. Just I, in general, I know you don't want to see that happen. Well, if, but, if they're going to win the nine games like you claim that they will, then yes, they have to win both those games. That was a fair, that was a good one. Uh, TCU. Cal and SMU have to win both of those, and Oklahoma State has to be Boise State. Those those have to be wins. I don't really care about, really honestly, about much of anything else. Like, if those games happen and the top five in the league are good, I guess I should say OU needs to beat Nebraska to include that. In but we group, know but... that they will. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so it's uh, it, the, the league wins those games this year. You're feeling pretty good. You're pretty soft, you know 
saucy about yourself heading into bowl season and conference play and hopefully next year. This is a, this is a league. I, I don't know if Bob Bowlesby understands the ice he's, he's standing on. Clearly he doesn't by his comments, but it is what it is. Oh, well, I think we'll be fine. But in the meantime, everybody, thank you very much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Uh, we're not there at Vanessa House today, obviously, uh, but we are there always in spirit. You should always go try out Vanessa House beer if you're looking to have a good locally crafted beer from right here in downtown Midtown Automobile Alley, Oklahoma City. Uh, it's made by a lot of cool kids, cool guys, cool people. We'd like to have fun down here, so give them a shout. Give them a follow on Twitter at VHBeer. And you can always come into the tap room, have a, yourself a drink, and have yourself a good time. They got TV, so we always got games on, so uh, you can come there and have a good time. Um, also, we're going to very much do the Mike Stoops cleanse for 50 days, so everybody hold us accountable. Um, we talked about him today, and the clock starts at midnight tonight, Keegan, so... No more Mike Stoops for me. Are you gonna Are you gonna tweet something about Mike at eleven fifty nine? I probably should. I probably should just like unload the just unload the clip right now. Just like you, some bitch, you ruined my child. You ruined my young adult years. You shave five years off my life expectancy. You charlatan. Now no, we'll, we'll get. I'll get some stuff out. The true shame, of course, is that he's not the linebackers coach at Texas. What could have been? Um, everybody. Uh, thank you again for listening to Inside OU. Also, again, go check out our Patreon page at Through the Keyhole, uh, patreon.com slash Through the Keyhole for more, 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 more OU football content, OU athletics content. We're rolling it out now. We've got a, like two or three new subscribers today. We had a few edit their pledges from 4 to $5 for Keegan's big uh, roster post. So we're, we're chucking it out there, guys. So jump on while uh, we're still relatively underground. You want to jump on before we hit mainstream and so we can all be best friends. I've got a blue check mark. So Keegan has quick. a blue check. So do what he says or like, I mean, you'll just never be important. Uh, so, yeah, through the keyhole. We also got a new review on Apple uh, podcasts for Inside OU. Thank you very much for the nice comments, for the nice review. Uh, I had a nice July 4th. I was working Keegan. I am assuming you had a good July 4th judging by your tweets that day. So, uh, thank you very much. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a rating and review, preferably five stars on Apple podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. It helps the show out a ton. So thank you very much, everybody until next Thursday at Vanessa house. We'll talk to you later. We'll talk to you on Tuesday for through the keyhole, but boomer sooner. And we'll talk to you guys when we talk to you.